Now today I want to talk to you about this, being committed to your calling. We're not going to start a sermon series quite yet until we uh, get everybody back, our whole family back. So I'm going to do individual sermons today, committed to your calling. Today's sermon is brought to you by the letter C. If you remember Sesame Street, who was the famous character that started the letter C? Cookie Monster, yeah, me love cooking. <laughs> that was either Yoda or Cookie Monster, I don't know, but anyway... Um, so I want to talk to you about your com being committed to your calling. Commitment, whenever we're committed to something, it means we're in it for the long haul. It means we're in it when we're on the mountaintop and we're in it when we're in the valley low. Being committed. And every one of us in this room have a calling on our life. Now in the next coming months, I'm going to preach an entire series on helping you find your exact uh, specific uh, purpose, calling, uh, the best type jobs that God would have you go to and things like that. We're going to work on that. Today's more of a generic sense to kind of get you excited about it. But we are all called by God to do something very important that only we can do. You were not called to just take up space and just breathe the oxygen and go to work and come home and eat and go to sleep. There's a calling of God on your life. And so for your notes today, point number one is this, my Christian calling. My Christian calling, this is, and I, this is going to sound cliche, but love God, love people. Say that with me. Love, love God, God, love people. Christian calling. This is more important than anything else. Your Christian calling is more important than your marriage, than your children, than your job, because everything falls under that Christian calling. Your Christian calling to love God, to love people. It is very important that you learn how to do this. It's very important that you're in an environment where you're challenged to do this on a regular basis. Love God, love people. Mark 3.14 said this. Jesus called his disciples, and listen real close. He called them so they would first be. Everybody say be. be. He called them to be with him. Then he sent them out to do things. He never sent them out to do until they first learned how to be. The power of doing comes from the time of being. Everyone, and it's so funny, Christians, I know people, they, they get saved, and three months later, six months later, they want to start a church and start a ministry and witness and tell, and that's great, but if you haven't first learned how to simply be with Jesus, Amen. you'll never have the power that you need, the strength, the patience, the joy to do what he's called you to do. you got to be, and every day we got to be with him, every, not just on Sunday morning. Not on Sunday morning. Be with, be with Jesus every single day. And, and however it looks like for you, you listen to a sermon. You read one scripture in the Bible and meditate on it. You have a, a, a devotional, a journal you write in. You, you go walking on the beach. Whatever it is, just be with them every single day. That's more important than anything else. We, I don't see how people can function and go to work and live in Myrtle Beach without learning how to be with Jesus. Because let me tell you, when you go out to Myrtle Beach, I don't see a lot of Jesus out there. I think people must not have a lot of money because they don't wear a lot of clothes. But anyway, and so, and, and they're not holy. Uh, and so anyway, um, holes in their clothes. Anyway, so, okay, so Psalm 73, 28. It is good for me to draw near to God. Well, what if I've sinned? What if I looked at pornography today? What if I cussed out my spouse because I got real angry? What if I've done something really bad? Well, Hebrews 10, 22 says, let us draw near anyway. Having our hearts cleansed from a guilty conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Um, there's times where I'll go to hug my wife 
and because um, she's been working around the house and I made her cut the grass and clean the house and all that stuff, she says, I'm dirty. Let me take a shower first. I don't make her cut the grass. But she says, I'm dirty. Listen, you're not dirty. Jesus has cleansed you. You draw near by grace, by faith, not by works. He's already washed you and made you clean. Well, what if I'm mad at God? What if I'm upset with Jesus because he didn't do what I wanted him to do the way I wanted him to do it? Remember Mary and Martha, their brother Lazarus died. If Jesus had just been here, John eleven twenty, many Jews had come to Martha to comfort her in the loss of her brother. When Martha heard Jesus was coming, she arose quickly to meet him. What if my whole world's been turned upside down? Remember Peter denied Jesus and then Jesus dies on the cross and then Peter's out fishing in a boat one day. Jesus comes walking on the water. John 21, 7. As soon as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he plunged into the sea. Jesus, I need to meet with Jesus. I just can't wait to see Jesus. And then some of you are thinking, well, what can I do to please him? What can I do? How much can I give? How can I do? No, no, no. First be. You have to learn as a Christian the importance of just being with him. What if I'm possessed by demons? What if I got demons in me, around me, in front of me, on top of me, beside me? Remember the Gadarene demoniac, Mark 5, 5? The man possessed by an evil spirit lived in the tombs night and day. He would cut himself and cry out. But when he saw Jesus, even demons could not stop him from drawing near. He ran and worshipped him. What if I've turned my back on Jesus for a long time? And I've been doing my own thing and, you know, I'm just kind of living my own life and I'm trying to be a good Christian, but I don't go to church, I don't serve anybody. Remember the prodigal son, Luke 15, 20, when he was still a long way off, his father saw him filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Here's what I'm trying to teach you. It is never a bad time to draw near to Jesus. Never. I don't care what you did last night, what happened this morning. I don't care what kind of life you've lived. It is never, let me say it this way, it's always a good time to draw near to God. Always. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, I want to teach you something that took me years to learn, but your time with Jesus doesn't need to look like anybody else's time with Jesus. If your spouse reads their Bible for two hours from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. in the morning, Good for them. You know, more forward. I'm, I'm grateful. Good job. But that's not what I do. Your, your time with Jesus doesn't need to look like mine. I've heard pastors preach and say, oh, man, I wake up at the crack of dawn and I'm on my knees and I have a prayer list of 100 people. I don't do that. Your pastor doesn't do that. Your pastor loves to spend time with Jesus late at night from like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. when nobody can call me and nobody texts me and nobody's bothering me. That's my time I enjoy. And I like to research. I like to ask God a question and look at 10 translations of the Bible. That's what I do. Mary Heflin told me when she taught a few weeks ago, she likes to walk around her neighborhood. That's her time with Jesus. Randy, in our first service, he likes to go fishing. That's his time with Jesus. My wife likes to listen to books on audio. Listen to the Bible on audio. I don't like that at all. Not at all. That's not my time with Jesus. But whatever it is for you, find what it is for you and stick with it. You need it every single day. Here's why. Being with Jesus creates in us the power to love people. It gives us the godly love we're supposed to have for people when we've been with Jesus. Um, it says in Mark 3, 14, Jesus called his 12 disciples so that they would, and we read it earlier, be with him. Now, what did they do after they be? What did they do? It says this. 
He gave them power to preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. You see those three things, right? Uh, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. Okay. The power of doing comes from the time of being. Amen. You will never be able to do efficiently, productively, and with fruit until you can first learn how to simply be with Jesus. You'll never be able to love God until you can first spend time. You'll never be able to love people until you can first spend time loving God. Now, it's interesting to me. He said there's three things I give you power to do, to preach, to heal, and to cast out the image. You know, we're a three-part being. We're spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit, which lives forever, even heaven or hell. You have a soul, your mind, will, and your emotions, and you live in a body. Jesus said this, I'm going to give you power to preach the gospel so that their spirit gets saved, to heal their body so there's health in their body, and to cast out demons so that their soul, their mind, will, their emotions is free from bondage. Because demons torment us in our mind, our desires, and our feelings, and our emotions. Here's what Jesus was saying. After you've been with me, I'm going to give you power to be good to people. Amen. To just love them. Just help, and not just in one area, but in every single area. Your children are three-part beings, and you'll never be able to do for them until you can be with Jesus. Your spouse is a three-part being. You can never be able to help them fully until you first learn how to be. This is a much better sermon than what you're saying amen to. I just want you to know. I'm just kidding. All through the Gospels, Luke 9, 1, he called his disciples together, gave them power. Everybody say power. Power. Over demons to preach the kingdom and to heal the sick. There it is, three parts all over it now. Here's what I want to show you. Um, do you see this? This orange thing right here, this orange wire, uh, they call this in the construction world an extension cord. I've learned that because I'm really good with construction um, and tools. Yeah. Um, just give me a hammer and I can screw anything in. And so um, th that's what this is. So here's how the extension cord works. When the extension cord is plugged into the power, Come on. if I take the other end of this and plug it into this light, the light turns on. Oh, the light turns on. <laughs> You wish you wore a mask now, don't you? Uh, but if the extension cord unplugs from the power, the light turns off. The exact same power that is in the power source is the exact same power that I get on the other side of the extension cord. Same power. Now, this extension cord all by itself has no power. All in itself is not really good for much. But once it learns how to plug into the power source, whatever I plug the other end of this extension cord into gets the same power. This light will never turn on in a dark place unless it's plugged into the power source. Once it unplugs from the power source, the light's gone. Everyone in this room is an extension of God's love. You're an extension of God's power. You're an extension of God's joy, his peace, his provision. You're an extension of God. But if you don't stay plugged in every day, you won't have the power you need to do what your calling is, which is love God and love people. You're called, but you got to be plugged in. You have to be plugged in. Now, I'm going to share something with you that I felt like God told me to share. It's very convicting. And it's very in your face. 
You might get upset. If you get upset, just think about it this way. It's probably for the third service. It's probably not for y'all at all, okay? Because those sinners, they sleep in on Sunday. They finally come to church at 1130. Anyway, so this is probably for them. So um, your Facebook page and your social media is an extension of you or it's an extension of God, one or the other. And I want to help you understand that you can be for something without being against something else. You can be for President Trump without being against Democrats. You can be for President Obama, for President Obama, whatever he stands for, without being against Trump and against Republicans. You can be for, um, you can be for um, uh, justice being done in a certain race of person without being against another race. That's too, is that too harsh for y'all? I'm so sorry. I'll back it up. Point number two is so much better. Um, you can be for someone having a baby full term and then letting that baby be adopted without being against people who have abortion. You can be for um, 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 husband and wife, man and woman, and that being the unity of marriage and purity without being against homosexuals. I don't know if you know this or not. And here's why I'm telling you this. When you post something on Facebook or on social media or you communicate and you think, here's what you think, because you don't really have relationships with these people, so you think, I can say whatever I want to. It's representing something. And I, I wanted to have this demographic board on here that I was going to write up. And if you live in Myrtle Beach, um, there was a percentage of people you come in contact with, even Facebook-wise and social media-wise. For instance, it was something to the effect of 31% Democrats. Uh, 47% Republicans, the rest undecided. Um, I think it was 20-something percent um, brown or black skin, uh, 40, 50% white skin, and then you have um, you know, Mexicans, Canadians, and so forth. All these different demographics. And anytime you're against a certain group, you know, uh, uh, 80% or, or to have baby full term, 20% abortion, whatever it is, whatever you're against, you might as well mark that group off for them ever coming to you to know about Jesus, ever. They will never call you for prayer. They'll never ask you for wisdom. They'll never say, what is your take on this? When they see you're against a certain set of people, do you know that God is for you even when you are turning your back against him? He's for you. God is for people. Jesus did not come into this world to condemn. He came that the whole world might be saved through him. God is not against Muslims. He's for people. You can be for Christianity without being against Muslims. And it's so important that you realize the wisdom behind, am I for people or am I against people? You can be for things of God without being against people that are not for those things. Is this, is this making sense at all to you? Yes, at all? Yes, I know all y'all is going to. And listen, I'm not preaching any of y'all because the second I become friends with somebody on Facebook, I immediately unfriend them if I see anything that revolves around uh, they're against any type of people. And that's just, that's just I don't, you know, it's no, so don't be offended. I'm not looking at your Facebook page. I don't care what you do. I just think we need to be for people. What would the world, what would your influence look like? How would your influence change if you were for every person? Every person coming to know Jesus. Every person going to heaven. If you were for everyone you have in your life going to heaven, what would that look like? How would that differ? You know, John had a problem with his Facebook page in Luke 9, 49. John said, Master, we saw somebody casting out demons in your name, but we stopped him because he's not white like we are. We stopped him because he doesn't vote for the same party we do. We stopped them because they don't go to the same church that we go to. They don't believe just like us. Jesus said, you idiot. No, he didn't say that. Jesus said, don't stop him. 
Whoever is not against you is for you. You think they learned their lesson, but in Luke 9, 54, just a few verses later, when James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them, Jesus? <laughs> for some reason, I feel like they were from, you know, I don't know. They had like three teeth, and their middle name was Bubba, James Bubba, and John Bubba. I don't know. That's a good Christian thing to post, right? Yeah, we'll call down fire from heaven to destroy you. And Jesus rebuked them again. If your method is in violation with the message of Jesus Christ, it'll be messy in your life. And, you know, sad to say, but some of you only have influence over 7% of the people that you have in your life because of the things that you portray. I want, I want to have 100% influence over every person God brings in my life. I want to gain as much influence as I can through showing them love and encouragement and trying to bring them to Jesus. Amen. I've never in my life, and none of y'all have ever changed the way you think, by seeing a Facebook or social media post that's against something you believe in. You've never thought, oh, they're against this. I'd like to contact them and just talk it out and we'll just pray for each other and figure things out. No, you always follow and are drawn to people that are encouraging and that are loving and that always believe the best in you. Acts 4.13. And point number two and three is much shorter, so don't get scared. Uh, Acts 4.13. When they saw the eloquence of Peter and John, and discovered that they were from Socasty High School. They were illiterate and common men. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. They marveled. Here's why. They had been with Jesus. We could tell. We could tell. They had actually been with the Son of God. We could tell by the way they treated us. They had been with Jesus. That's your Christian calling. Number two is this. My church calling. Church calling, church calling, church calling. Now, point number one was love God, love people. Two is this, serve God, serve people. Serve God, serve people. Philippians 4.1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. James 1.1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1.1, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Here's what they said. My qualification for being in ministry, for being a pastor, and upon, here's my qualification for writing in the New Testament. I'm a servant. Above everything else, it's about people. I serve people. That's what I do. I serve. I might be an apostle. My position might be a pastor, an usher, a singer. But here's what I do. I serve. I've been with Jesus, so now I can serve people. Romans 1.1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. The greatest apostle who ever lived said this, I'm a bondservant. Now, in the Hebrew tradition, um, the way it worked was if you were a Hebrew and you owed someone money or you wanted money or whatever, you could sell yourself as a servant or slave to another Hebrew family. And they would pay you or they would pay for your debt or whatever the case is if you'd serve them. But after six years, on the seventh year, all debts were canceled. This was by God. God said, listen, if you own a slave, if someone owes you money, whatever it is, on the seventh year, you cancel it and you start back over again. All debts are canceled. But if a servant really loved a family, if they really were committed to that family, and there was a connection, and they felt like that's where God wanted them. They would tell the family, I realize my debt's been canceled. I realize I don't have to do this, but I want to keep serving you. And they would serve them for life as a bond servant. Jesus Christ has canceled every one of your debts. But have you chosen to serve him for life? Have you found a family that you can be a part of and serve whether you're getting paid or not, whether you're getting recognition or not, it's not about you. It's about serving the people of God. 
2 Kings 3.11, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who poured water on Elijah's hands. This was his job. Was whenever the guy, whenever the pastor, whenever Elijah needed water, he'd bring him water. You want to wash it? He'd wash his hands. Now, Elisha became the greatest prophet, in my opinion, in the whole Bible. Second, um, a double anointing is, is Elijah. He started as the water boy. My point is this. Do something. Please serve somewhere. I mean, do something. Don't go out and tell people you're in love with Jesus and you're a Christian, but you don't serve the body of Christ. Now, I need everybody here real quick. I want you to pull out your pencil. It's really important. I need you to get your pencil. It can't be a pen. It has to be a pencil. Everybody hold up. Sign this here. Everybody's got a pencil. Okay. Take your pencil with one hand. Everybody got a pencil? It's really important. Get Gorby a pencil. Hold that pencil up. Okay. Now, I want you to take the pointy end. Hold the pointy end to the sky. Take your finger and rub it on the pointy end of the pencil. Anytime I talk to people about joining a church and serving, here's what they say. I will when I feel led. Every one of you just felt led. So now anytime we read something in the Bible, you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to go home and discuss it. You don't got to think about it for three months. You can just... Feel led. <laughs> I will. You know, I see tithings all through there. But I will when I feel led. Well, feel it all day long. Just go home and feel it and feel it and feel it. Rub it down till you can't feel it no more. And then come back to church next Sunday. Join the church and serve in some capacity. Amen. You know, I said that in the first service. And Brother Horace, um, he handed me this circle. And it has the word, has the word T-U-I-T. T-U-I-T. And I said, what is that? He said, think about it. And I said, oh, I will when I get around to it. Around to it. I didn't think that was going to go over well. But anyway, he wrote to it on there. It took me a few minutes as well. That's okay. I went to Sophistry High School. John 13, 14 says this. If I, your Lord, have washed your feet, you should then wash my feet. If I, your Lord, serve you and give my life to you and wash your feet, then you should now get on your hands and knees and wash my feet. Because I'm Jesus. And I'm the Son of God. And I did this for you, so now you better do this for me. He never said that. Jesus never said, serve God. He said this, serve people. Jesus said, because I've done this for you, because I've served you, because I've given my life, because i washed your feet. Now here's what I expect you to do. Serve people. I, there's all this, this, these, these weirdos out there that say, I just do whatever, you know what God tells me, and it's all about God. I'm just going to follow God here and follow God there and do this. It's about people. Oh, I have a video I want to show you. I forgot to show it. Did I forget to show it? So Nabil, my friend Nabil, um, when he preached a while back, his son said a prayer that he got on his phone, and I just, I just have to show you because I love it. So take a look at this. that like a hundred times at my house. It's about the people. Everybody say it's about the people. about the people. Okay, so point number three is this. Last point, my career calling. 
my career calling, my career calling. Um, it's so interesting that in point number one, as a Christian, we can all agree that it's about loving God, loving people. Am I right? Say yes. yes. We agree that when it comes to church, it's all about God and people. If I'm all right, say yes. yes. It's so interesting that us Americans who are so self-centered and arrogant and prideful, we realize that church is about God and people. We realize that our Christian life is God and people. But when it comes to our career, we turn everything around and we make it all about me. How much money can I make? How can I make my business succeed? How can I have a good retirement? It's so funny, and especially for men, that our whole life we know serve our family and serve our church and do this. But when it comes to the career, you better move out the way, God. It's all about me. Move out the way. I will stab you in the back if I have to just to get ahead because it's all about me, 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 me. Okay, listen. Here's where you're missing it. Here's the revelation I want you to get. You're calling your calling never changes. Your calling is always God and people, no matter where you're at, no matter what your position is. If you think that um, that your purpose has to do with the position you're in, well, then you're going to lose your purpose when you retire. But it's not about you. It's about God placing you in the world so you can lead people to him that a pastor can never lead people to. I can never lead people to Jesus the way you could. Your career, Steve Harvey says, your career is what you're paid for. But your calling is what you are made for. You're made for God and people. Your vocation, my vocation is a pastor. Your vocation might be a plumber. Your vocation might be an electrician. But your career is your Christian calling to lead people to God and to serve God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 6. He's qualified us as ministers of the New Testament. I want you all to say this. Everybody say, I am a minister. I am a minister. Okay, listen. You might not be a pastor, but you're a minister. You might not be an evangelist, but you're a minister. We are all ministers of the New Testament. I want you to understand that all the great men and women in the Bible, all these great men and women who were prophetically speaking, who, were, who did great things for God, who served, who led people into battle, all these things, they didn't have a job like me. They had a job like you. Uh, Genesis 13, 2. Abram was very rich in silver, gold, and livestock. He was a businessman. Um, Genesis 26, 12, Isaac sowed a seed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. He was a farmer. Amos the prophet, 1-1, one, one, the words of Amos, who was among the sheep breeders. He was a sheep breeder. Nehemiah 1-11, for I was the king's cupbearer. He was a government agent. Um, Matthew 9-9, Jesus called Matthew a tax collector. That shows us right here, God can use anybody. He worked for the IRS. All of y'all got a chance. I don't care what you do. Mark 1.20, Jesus called James and John. Uh, immediately they left their father with their hired servants and followed Jesus. They were small business owners of a fishing company. Um, at Judges 5.7, until Deborah arose, a mother in Israel, stay-at-home mom. Um, Acts 18.3, because Paul was the same trade as them, he stayed in work occupation. He was a tent maker. The apostle Paul, tent maker. That was his vocation. Joshua 2 1, they became, so they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab. She was a working girl. She had a job. And she quit that job after she met the spies. But either way, Colossians 4.14, Luke, the beloved physician. All these people worked in the world. Here's why. Their calling wasn't their job. Their calling wasn't their position. Their calling wasn't what gave them money from a boss. Their calling was God and people. Your purpose is not your position. It's not your position. Listen, 
Here's what God does. God takes full-time ministers when he wants to reach someone in the medical field and he takes a full-time minister and he disguises them as a doctor or a nurse and puts them in the medical field. When God wants to reach college kids, he takes a minister full-time. He disguises him or her as another college kid or as a college professor and he puts them in college. When God wants to reach someone who's buying a house or selling a house, he takes a full-time minister, he disguises him or her as a real estate agent, and he puts them in real estate. When God wants to reach your children, he takes a full-time minister and he disguises them as a mommy or a daddy, and he gives them children. Your calling never changes. You can retire from your career, you can't retire from your calling. You can get a job that pays a lot of money, a job that pays a little bit of money. But the purpose is the same for you to lead people to Jesus. That's the only reason God, if you think God's going to promote you for more money, he's going to promote you for more kingdom influence. If that's more money, it's more money for kingdom influence. If that's more influence over people, it's more influence over people for the kingdom of God. Your purpose isn't even your provision. If you think your purpose is your provision, you're going to be discouraged and, and depressed if your boss doesn't like you. Or if you lose your job, what am I going to do? Well, God said, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was never what your, I was your provision, God says. I provided for, for you to have the right spouse. I provided for you to have children. I provided for you to have this job. I provided for you to have the last job. I provided the clothes on your back. I provided for your bosses and your provision. I'm your provision. Your calling is always God and people. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Here's why. You're not working for your company. You're working for the Lord. And when you work for the Lord, you have better excellence. And you respect your authority even better than whenever you're working for people. Remember, the Lord's the one that promotes you. And it's him that you are serving. You're serving Jesus Christ. Man, this is such a good sermon. I'm going to listen to it later on tonight. Um, so let me close with this. 1 Samuel 16, 12. It says that David was reddish with beautiful eyes. And a handsome appearance, and I can relate and understand what he felt like. And the Lord said to Samuel, anoint him, I'm joking, for this one is the next king. Okay, so it's career day. And David's been in the shepherd's fields. And, ooh, ooh, I'm going I'm to get another job. What's my career going to be? And God comes and God says, you know what? Your career, uh, let me think about it. Ooh, I'm going to make you in charge of everybody. I'm going to make you the king. People are going to serve you. You're going to live in a castle. You, they're going to come to you for advice. You get to tell everybody what to do. Now, because you're in church, you think, I wouldn't want that. But once you leave church, you'll think, I wish that happened to me on career day. I'm going to be the president of the United States of America. Isn't that great? That's what you're going to do. It's so funny that Samuel conveniently left out. People are going to try to kill you. You're going to have to run for your life for a few years. Your son's going to overthrow the government that you're in. Um, the, 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 the current king's going to try to stab you with a spear and talk about you behind your back. People are going to hate you and despise you. Oh, but you'll be king. It's interesting. David wasn't just king. He was a shepherd. He was a paid musician in the, in the Saul's palace. He was in the military. He was king. He was even unemployed for a time. Callings never change, but seasons do. So you have to recognize in life, seasons will come and go. You'll make a lot of money here. You'll retire here. You'll make less money here. Different position, different job. But your calling's always the same. How can I lead people to Jesus? 
David realized his calling was about God and people, not himself. And here's how we know that. Um, when David's son Absalom came to destroy him and overthrow the kingdom, it was working. Absalom was winning the hearts of David's people. <clears throat> so David flees Jerusalem, and he has some bodyguards that come with him. And the Ark of the Covenant had been there with David in Jerusalem. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is the, um, the thing that um, Indiana Jones found in 1981. The Ark of the Covenant was where God dwelt. It wasn't just a representation of God. The Bible says he dwelt in between the wings of the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant. The thing about the Ark was whoever had the Ark always succeeded. Whoever didn't have the ark always failed. So when they would go out to battle, David would say, let's bring the ark. And whoever had the ark, they'd win the battle. Whoever didn't, they wouldn't. Now, if people were coming to kill me and destroy me and take over everything, and I'm unemployed, and I don't know what to do, I would stand by the ark. I'd say, okay, come on. I would just lean on, just stand there, just sit there, and just wait. Come on, I'd eat, sleep, drink, everything by the ark of the covenant. David realized that the whole calling of his life wasn't to be king. It was to be in a place where he could bless the people. That was what it was all about, regardless if he was shepherd or king. So when David's fleeing Jerusalem and Absalom and the guys are chasing him, David's bodyguards grab the Ark of the Covenant, knowing we want David to win. David looked at them in 2 Samuel 15, 25, and he said, Zadok, take the ark of God back to Jerusalem. It's not about me. It's not about my success. It's not about my prosperity. It's about the people. They don't realize it, but they need God's presence. They need God to help them win. They need God to provide. They need God to succeed. I may die out here, I may live. If God, if I favor in his sight, he'll bring me back and let me see his office. But if not, it doesn't matter because it was never about me. From shepherd to musician, it wasn't about me. From musician to military, it wasn't about me. From military to king, it wasn't about me. From king to unemployment, it wasn't about me. My whole life, my whole calling is about God and people. Acts 13, 36. After fulfilling God's purpose for his life, by serving the people. Save the people, Jesus. Save the people. David died. That's all I have for you today. I, I want you to realize your calling is bigger than your career. Your calling is bigger than any position, any amount of money. Your Christian calling, spend time with God. Learn how to love people. Serve the body of Christ. And when you go to work, work as unto God and do whatever it takes to be a light to that world. Plug in every single day and you have the power you need to do what God's calling you to do in whatever career or vocation he puts you in. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clapping here today. Y'all can, can bow your heads with me. Our prayer partners can come over here on the side. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to give, you, give a second for Jesus to speak to you. Um, if the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you today, then nothing of any significance has been said. Um, we just like to take a second. 
And we just like to say, God, what are you saying to me through your word? Um, maybe God's trying to speak to you about spending more time with him on a daily basis. On Monday morning, you need to connect to the power. Before you send that email out, you need to connect to the power. Before you post on Facebook, connect to the power. Maybe you've spent your life running after positions, promotions, money, and you didn't realize that that's not who you are. Your identity is not in the job you have. Your identity is not in the amount of money you have in your bank account. Your identity is that you are a child of God with a call on your life greater than any workplace you could ever be a part of. Whatever it is today, if God's speaking to you, spoke to you, you just lift your hand right where you're at so I can just pray for you. This is a sign of faith. We like to lift our hands just to show God we need them. So hands up just for 30 seconds. Lord, everyone that has the faith to raise their hand and say, I need you. I can't do it without you. Um, I, I, can't, I can't get through Monday morning without you. I, I, can't, I can't pursue any type of career, education without you. I need, I need you, God. I, I want it to be about you. I don't want it to be about me. I want, I want to live a life where at the end I can say I fulfilled my purpose, I serve people, and I can die and go to heaven. That's what I want to see. So, Lord, right now, every person has the, the, the faith to raise their hand. Lord, bring healing into their life, every area, spirit, soul, and body. Lord, let them leave this place seeing that we can do nothing without you, that we have to plug into you just to be able to breathe. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we will draw near every single day to the power outlet. We thank you, Lord, that we are extensions of your love everywhere we go, work, home, church. We give you all the praise, all the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. amen.